Today, we get to hear from someone incredibly special, a teen who was recently adopted from foster care after being in over 70 homes. Join us today on Fostering the Future. Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat. We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future. Make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram as Fostering the Future Podcast, or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org. This is Jack, and I am here with Nicole, and Nicole brought a friend today, didn't you? I did. Would you like to introduce this handsome young man, Nicole? I am here today with my son, Cisco. Welcome, Cisco. So, Thank you so much for being here today, Cisco. I have a very serious question to ask you. Yeah, what's up? What's your favorite drink at Starbucks? Caramel ribbon crunch. <laughs> I literally wrote here probably something frappuccino-ish. Yeah. <laughs> with extra caramel. Yeah, with extra caramel. Lots car- of extra box. caramel. Now, is yours cream-based as well, or do you go with the coffee? I go with the coffee. So I am so glad you're here. We want you to share with us your story and kind of what brought you into foster care. Okay. Um, I was in like a, a very abusive situation with me, my mom and my so-called stepfather. He was very abusive, especially to me and my mom. And he smoked a lot of weed and he had a lot of bipolar. You know, sometimes there was days where he would be nice and there would be some times where he's not, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, it was like very hard for me at sometimes because, you know, I was so young and. And he was like a father figure to you, right? Yeah, he was in moments, you know what I'm saying? He was, and I kind of like do the things now that sometimes he does and I don't want to because it's like, I never liked him. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. How old were you? when he was in your life? My dad left me when I was two. He left me and my mom when I was two years old. And Perry came into my life when I was like three. Yeah, he was a father figure to me for seven, eight years. And my mom left him, came back, left him, came back. And then my mom had twins with him. Till this day, she regrets having kids with him because of all the things he's done, especially to me and her. Well, and then it like further ties you to someone, right? So it's hard enough to leave an abusive situation for anybody. But then once you have kids with them, like legally, you're kind of stuck with them until those kids are grown. Yeah. 
he put her on child support and he would like, oh, I'm going to go to the courts. This isn't that. Um, if you try to take him back and said you do, you did drugs, you did this, you did that. Oh, so he took the girls and made her pay him child support. Yes. And it's very hard for my mom because when all her kids were gone and even now when I talk to her, she doesn't, you know, she recently just lost her mom and I lost my grandma. And it was very hard for me because I loved her like a lot. And I know how hard it is to just lose a mom because I haven't lost my mom yet, but it's, it's hard for everybody to lose their own mom. You know what I'm saying? Well, and also, but you were in a situation where you were removed from your mom. So even though she's still there and she's always going to be a part of your life, in a way, you did lose that aspect of living with her every day. So you kind of can probably relate to her better than a lot of people. Yeah, I want to say my situation is bad because I know other people are even worse than my situation. But um, I will say that I had a rough, rough childhood and I'm trying to make myself a better person. Moving here with Nicole and everything, it was very hard for me at first to like fit in. I was in foster care for four and a half years and I didn't have no parent or guardian figure to help me you were not in traditional foster homes. Exactly. And I asked case managers and case manager supervisors, even the director, if I can get a foster home. But nobody would take me because of whatever that book had to say about me. And of course, when foster parents would look at that, they would see me as a terrible, terrible person. I feel like if the kid is having a problem, they should help that person instead of just, you know what I'm saying, just leaning away from them and just wanting to get the goody two shoes. You know what I'm saying? Cisco is referring to something in our area called a blue book that is given to foster parents. It is essentially, allegedly... Everything about the child on paper. Like all the records of any behavioral problems, medical problems, diagnosis, stuff like that. But he is right. Paper does not uh, describe a person or a human being. It might describe circumstances or situations, but not who the person is. And it also doesn't show the full picture. Right. Because kids, a lot of the time, don't get to really tell their side of the story right. or the circumstances. And a lot of the times they do things and they don't even know why they do it, but something could have triggered them. I, I remember when I had this one placement, I remember exactly where I was when this happened. I had to bring his blue book with me because we were going to an appointment of some sort. I don't know if he was sitting next to me or in the back seat or whatever when his eyes looked down and saw his blue book and his face went like white and he looked at me and he goes don't read that don't read that you didn't read that please don't read that he goes can I have that book I want to throw it out and I was like why and he goes every time someone reads my book I'm gone the next day <sighs> and I had read the book I knew it was in there not because I thought that that described the boy but it gave me a better picture of not what the boy did but what has been done to the boy and so what I told him is I said I, I've already read it and I don't feel any different about you his whole face was like he was was so scared. He's like, please don't send me away. Please don't send me away. And I'm like, listen, I'm not sending you away until it wasn't a permanent placement. Mm -hmm. He was only supposed to be there at night. Like, you know how those <laughs> go. I'm like, I'm not yes, sending you away. <laughs> and what I had always told him is like, I'm not going to send you away. I'm going to find 
a family for you, right? Like, you're going to stay here until we have a really good place for you to go. But he was terrified of that book. He always was like, can I have that book? I want to burn it. And I'm like, listen, I'm not allowed to let you burn it right now. In trouble. <laughs> but like, you got to stop worrying about that book. And that book does not tell me who you are. If anything, that t- book tells me all of the crap that you've had to go through. Right. And it just helps me maybe stop some of the triggers that might hit you. But I do know a lot of people look at a book and they're like, oh, look at all these diagnoses. Like, yeah, I like the books because sometimes kids come to you and you might not know their name. Right. So the book <laughs> tells you the name. Placement's or, good at that sometimes. Yeah. Oh, will you yeah. take this kid out? And then I'll text them later. You forgot to tell me their name. Right. Um, or birthdays, which I like to know because I've gotten placements that their birthday is like two days later. So that might make me say it's temporary night placement, but I'll extend it so they're here for their birthday. Right. So we can do something for their birthday. I've done that a couple of times. The other reason I like it specifically in uh, Cisco's situation is because there are papers in there that tell you what brought them into care. And it is helpful to know what situation they're coming from. So you don't step in it. Yeah, (laughs) frankly, right? Like you don't say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing to trigger that person. Yeah, because sometimes we trigger our kids without realizing it because we don't know what they've been through. Yeah, but I can totally understand why blue books can be triggering to kids. Are you able to share anything about when you were removed? Me and my uh, grandpa was, uh, we were working on this car he was getting paid for. He's a mechanic. He was a retired mechanic and the guy hit him up to fix his car and everything. I guess he had to remove an engine out and everything. Yeah. After I told the school about, you know, my mom doing this, this and that, they came around. I seen a white car come and she's just staring and, you know, my grandpa's just looking and he's like, why is she looking over here? You know, he, he, he get pissed off at that type of yeah. thing. You know what I'm saying? He just, you know, like people on his property. She goes around, right? And all of a sudden she comes and there's two top cop cars behind her and they pull up and, you know, my grandpa was like, oh, uh, what are y'all doing on my property? This, this, and that. Oh, um, we have a thing. This, this, and that. We have to take them into care, take them, do this. And my mom came outside and she started crying. She's like, oh, you're not taking my son? Or, and then the police officer, oh, we'll take him by force. This, You know, it was my first time I've ever seen in my life story, see my grandma cry. I've always seen her mad. And uh, I seen her cry that day. And, and my mom was just, you know, crying and she was like, oh, we need to go inside and pack this, this, and that. And I was like, I'm not leaving with them. I was so little, so I didn't really know. I was like, I don't know who that is, Mom. She was like, they're going to take you away because all the things you said to the school and everything. And I was like, I, I, I was like, I, I just wanted you to get help. I didn't want to get taken away from you, this, this, and that. And that's what they told me. They yeah. were like, we're going to get your mom help. They brought me in. I didn't feel, like, scared. I just felt nervous. Where did they take you? to a CPI office or something like that. Okay. I was sitting in there. I was with, I guess, CPI, I guess, because you have to like be in CPI for so long and then whatever, wherever County you got taken away from it, that's where you're like, whatever agency, agency. Exactly. They put you with. When it happened, your mom said to you, it's because you told someone like you've been through therapy and you know that you didn't come into care because of anything you did. I tell people this all the time. And people are like, oh, it's not your fault. This, this, and that. I mean, she would not, I would not be in this situation if I didn't say that. I use that as an excuse. And I know I did because that's what I did to get out of trouble at school. Because the, the lady asked me is, why do you keep getting in trouble at school? And I told her, 
because my mom was doing drugs. That's the, that's what I said. And she was like, oh, really, really? So they wouldn't be like mad at me or anything. So they would just like, you know, lay off me. You know what I'm saying? And I, I guess it got too deep. So I said, OK, I mean, maybe this is a chance for my mom to get better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. But like. A, you were trying to help your mom. Yeah, like, I wasn't trying to. You weren't doing anything wrong and thinking that you, it's your fault because you were trying to get out of trouble. Like you probably were getting in trouble because you were stressed out about your mom. But like, you know that it's not your fault, right? I mean, there's some days where I think it is. And there's some days where I, I it, it's not even nobody's fault. You know, throughout Frosty Carry, it was always like being in jail for me. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, you have to fight sometimes. You got somebody stealing your stuff or something like that, you know, and it was kind of it was really hard for me at first, you know, so I didn't know really much when I came in and I got taught crazy things that I've I never knew before. Probably shouldn't have been taught. <laughs> Probably should have. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, actually, you spent all of your time. In group homes. Yeah, because right. like I said, um, that blue book is just everything that a foster parent needs to see. There is good, really good foster parents like Nicole. You know, there has been a lot of bad times moving in and I left once because it was like really hard for her. But it was like I came back and I was still doing crazy things and it was like she never gave up. You know, and that's but, what moms do. But, even even today, like every day, I'm just like, I'm just like, how? You know what I'm saying? How am I still here? Because at this point, like all the things I've did and said to her and the things I did in the house, I would have been gone in an instant anywhere else, you know? But that's like what permanency is, right? My kids can do some crazy stuff, right? And like there are consequences sometimes. But when you're family, you're family and you don't give up. Yeah, I mean, that's what permanency is supposed to be. Right. And you're supposed to be able to screw up. And especially what you've gone through, it's understandable that, you know, you might not always make the right choices. Yeah. Cisco came to me one night. Um, I remember placement calling saying they have, you know, a teen boy. He was 15 at the time um, and he was getting disrupted from the from a group home. And so my first question is, why? Right. <laughs> why is he being disrupted from a group home? The day that he came, I had been licensed for one month. <laughs> the day that they called me, I had only been licensed as a foster parent for one month. So in my head, I was disillusioned and I'm like, they don't disrupt from group homes. What are you talking about? I think that's not every, a thing. Every teen I've ever taken was disrupted from a group home. Wow. And I, I, I feel like a lot of the times when teens come into foster care, they just automatically send them to group homes because they just assume they're a teen. They're probably a problem. Let's use these foster homes for the younger kids. And that's not really fair to no. like automatically default to sending these kids to group homes. So and people might have a bed available. Right. And maybe they're a problematic after they're in a group home maybe they wouldn't have been if they could have been like and obviously not all foster homes are always as safe as they should be right but you would hope that it would be a more favorable experience than a group home i mean the reason he was disrupted that night was he was on his cell phone past 10 p.m <laughs> And then they got him there like super late. I still really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was just like, here's the shower. Here's the bedroom, whatever. He kind of, I was like, do you need a phone charger? He had one. And that was, he like passed out on the bed and that was kind of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like one o'clock in the morning by the time, you know, he was there or something. But I totally like read the blue book immediately. Like the minute he was passed out. And all I thought in that was reading that was like this 
sucks. His book was was filled out pretty subsequently, pretty substantially. And so I could see the various placements um, he had had. And stuff so like what that. sucked was what he had been through since going into foster what care. What sucked was what he had been through and that he had come in at this like preteen age and was consistently placed in group homes. That to me is what stood out in the blue book. When we say over 70 placements, like how is that possible? Because there were night to night placements and every single time you sleep in a different bed with a different address, it is considered a placement. He had long group home placements where he was there like what, almost a year or something like that. Almost about two years. My, it was like my second group home. It was amazing. It's a therapeutic group home. I hit 13 and started doing some crazy things and time goes past and they were like, you know, we can't handle him no more. So they kicked me out. What can you tell us about your experience in group homes as far as like what the living conditions were? Actually, there was this Jamaican like foster home or something. I think they were Jamaican or something. Their house was so hot. It was like a desert. Like I would lay in my bed and I would be sweating and sweating. Oh my and gosh. then there would be like, well, we'll get the BT person or something. I'm like, oh, their AC was broke. No, it wasn't. But I guess there was something <laughs> wrong with it or something like that. And I was like, y'all are used to this? Uh, they're like, yeah, I mean, we can't. It's cold in here. I was like, wait, what? I'm skinless. Right. I was, I was like a boneless chicken in there <laughs> it was bad it oh was super gosh. bad i had to sleep in my boxers just yeah. nothing nothing else like i would say that one and probably that would be it the the rest of the group homes they were like they were i they took me to the, some decent group homes they didn't take me to some bad group homes all 70 placements that i've been 70. to half of them i can't even remember because you know it was just a night and sometimes right. i would be so exhausted i would be there at one o'clock in the morning why do kids get dropped off so late like why does that happen is it just they don't have enough transporters well one is that Yes, they don't have enough transporters and they get packed because there's so many kids that disrupt and they have to go night. Those kids go night to night as well. And they only like three transporters with like five kids in each. And they'll, they'll go to the closest one, the closest uh, one to that office. Or like, So if you're far from the office, all your drop offs are going to be at like two o'clock in the morning. It's really like that. And the transporters don't get home till like three in the morning and then they got to do early morning pickups. In that four hours that you slept, the transporter has it. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. So right. it's like both, you know what I'm saying? So the person that picked him up was it wasn't his case manager, but it was somebody who knew him well or had maybe been a, pre- a previous case manager or something like that. So I immediately was like. He, like, got along with my kids. He liked my dog. Like, everything was super easy. So I was like, hey, like, does he have placement tonight, you know? And she was like, I don't know. you got to talk to somebody else. So I had followed up multiple times that day and the following weeks until I was ultimately told, like, oh, no, he had secured a placement. But in reality... So the first time he came was just for a night. It was for one night. And he had not secured placement. <laughs> Uh, I found out after seeing placement records. I mean, I've heard some horror stories about group homes, but the things that I hear the most about kids who um, have spent a lot of time in group homes, I guess the two things would 
be a the exposure, just learning a lot of things that they wish they hadn't learned, especially at whatever age. But then also um, having their stuff taken all the time by the other kids. Like this one kid told me that, like, if you're not wearing the stuff like he would sleep with his sneakers or his sneakers would get stolen and he would shove his stuff in his pockets or they take his stuff like. Well, there is group homes where like gangs or or something like that. But um, when I first came, I was young. So I had like 17 year olds bullying me out of my shoes. You weren't six two then. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was a six two. It's not about like size or anything. It was just because I was so young. So they would they would be like, oh, can I have some can I borrow some money? And it, they're really just stealing it. And they just never gave me back. They'll just finesse you, which yeah. is stealing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Jack Jr. has experienced kids coming from group homes and then asking to borrow all his birthday money and all his Christmas money. And, you know, Jack Jr. is like, oh, okay. Or he's like scared they're going to... We had one kid who was like, hey, give me that or I'll beat you up. I'm like, did you think I was going to let him beat you up? Like, why did you give him all your birthday money? It's a fight for your things. You got to fight for him. But um, I had a lot of things taken from me when I first come in foster care. But after throughout time, I learned things. I learned how to... You figured out how to stick up for yourself and not yeah. to let people take advantage of you. Yeah. You had a lot of your stuff in the office. So how did you make, like, how did you get that? Did they, were they keeping your things because you were like night to night so that you wouldn't lose your things? Or did you ask them or did someone offer? Sometimes I would be like, can I just leave this here for the night? While you were going through this process of like jumping placement to placement, that's like one aspect of it. Were you participating in court? I attended basically all of them except for, I guess they didn't want me, I guess, because they were like, oh, something's going to go on today. How long was your mom's case plan before the termination happened? I don't know, to be honest, like about a couple of years. About two years. Yeah. And I guess she wasn't doing the things she needed to do. And her, her new boyfriend now couldn't get there in time and everything. And he had things to do as well. So it was hard for her for transportation termination when i heard that i was like what is that i was like what does that mean like they're like oh you won't be able to see your mom your mom can't get you no more so you know you might stay here till you're 18 or something like i'm like what it's not fair to us to have to for people with a small situation like me because my mom did drugs i mean i could see because one you're you got taken away because your mom is a beater or your dad's a beater or your mom raped you or your mom did or your dad raped you boom 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 they need to give more time for the kids that their situation is not as bad because it's not as severe as a mom or a dad beating a child you know what i'm saying do you think it's fair to you or to other kids to kind of wait on that process like i think as an older kid it makes more sense to you but if you were to place a little kid in that situation like should a little kid have to also potentially wait for what we call permanency versus always living in limbo and foster care yeah i mean it's good for kids to get united with other foster homes and everything but I don't know. It's just with me. I just feel like you wish they would have given her more time. They, yeah. And and they told me that I was going to they were going to help her. 
And I guess she wasn't trying and this is not. And they never let me try to talk to her and try to see if like she can, you know, I mean, I wanted to go back. I was like, I don't care. Like, I really don't care. Like, yeah. just send me yeah. back, please. I don't care about wanna, the drugs. I just want to go back home with my mom. You didn't want to be that. removed. You just wanted someone to help her with the drugs. Exactly. And go through therapy. And then if she didn't do that in time, then I would be be taken away. But they didn't do that. You did attend court before the rights were terminated what about after i was just like i don't what's the point of me going what yeah. do i need to know you know what i'm saying i i, I know how I'm, I'm, living, yeah. I'm living the moment <laughs> right I'm, you know so i don't there's nothing to refute you know so so the termination happened after about two years how many years later did uh he come for his first placement with you like two years so you were in foster care for two years after being terminated where you knew that you couldn't go home to your mom but you weren't able to live in a foster home other than the group homes that you're bouncing yes he had an additional cbha he had it a week and a half to two weeks after he was at my house the first time he says i want to go to the foster home with the lady with the two kids (laughs) (laughs) look at my records you'll see who i'm talking about did you see that Can he come back? Can he come back? And he was also asking to come back. And it did not happen for quite some time. And over the next several months, would periodically check in with placement to find out if he had placement. So that was like in February. And around like the Halloween time, I reached out and I was like, okay, well, he's got a place. So maybe I can just get him some Christmas presents and like fulfill a Christmas wish list. Those conversations, I finally got to someone. Like It's kind of crazy that one night <laughs> into months of stalking this poor young man. Yeah, and I was like, I was so confused at first. I was like, Nicole, who is that? Because I was the lady with the kids with the yeah, dog and I in was the like, comfortable bed. I was like, okay, I think I remember you. Manager of heads. <laughs> Gave me a number and said, uh, this is the person that's been trying to uh, talk to you about some Christmas thing or something like that. And I was like, okay, just get, she was like, give her a call or something like that. And I was like, okay, I was like, just go call her right now. <laughs> you know, this sounds crazy, right? <laughs> so I call her and I mean, she was I like, do now. She was like, I was like, hi. She was like, who is this? I was like, uh, Francisco. She was like, oh, oh, I've been stalking you for months. <laughs> this is November. He was there in February. <laughs> it was, it was it was crazy so I've been stalking this Jan, young man for nine my, months Jan was like yeah she's been like focused on you throughout these months I was like huh I, I, you know I never knew yeah. about this you know I was like I've been I could have been with her you know yeah. what I'm saying and then when the first time she brought me over there I think it was Jan and then she was like coming from somewhere and then <laughs> oh, so after all these months of stalking him he finally agreed to like come over for a visit yeah and then I got stuck somewhere with another kid and I wasn't even there. Her parents oh. were there. My parents were there. <laughs> I was so tired, yeah. you know, so I couldn't really remember her like that. But when I saw her, I was like, huh, you do look familiar. <laughs> you know, but the kids, the kids definitely looked yeah. familiar. I was like, okay, I remember you and you. I remember the dog. Nah, she came in and she was like, oh, give me a hug. And I gave her a hug and everything. And it was kind of awkward. I was like, it was an experience. I met her, her mom. 
Right. They were like all in. Like my parents were in. Like these were conversations that I'd had. Because you've been talking about this boy you were stalking. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> right. So your whole family knew. So right. they wanted to be there when he got there. Right. So they could all check him out. Right. <laughs> See if he lived up to it. To be honest, I had one of the best Christmases I had in over eight years. From day one, I know I still do crazy, sometimes crazy, like a little things that's yeah. crazy, but I, I have improved since the first time that I moved in with her. Yeah. I have yes. made a severe change and I can see it in myself, you know? I and if agree. I would, if I would ever go back to those foster parents that rejected me and all the group homes that even, even group homes rejected me because that's how that pool book was just like, <laughs> I have seen it in myself, my improvements. Especially with like my anger, your you tolerance know? is much higher now. Yeah, it's like before, all, like, if, if, like if you you know back then if you would be like, oh go do this, I'm like I'm not doing that. There'll be a whole <laughs> argument, <laughs> and there'll be a whole argument. Yeah, I could just I could I see my improvements of a lot of ways since I've been here and I just got out of orientation today with my job. I just got hired and everything. So yay. Um, so he was in the house, eventually came back. We did overnight visits and visits for almost a month, mm-hmm. um, like through the Christmas holiday into January. And then he was allowed to move and in. What was the hardest part about moving into a foster home after living in group homes? Trying to fit in. I didn't want to have a family because right. the only other family that I know that I had and I was not going to give up on was my mom and I told her that I wasn't giving up on her. She always thought that I had some type of a grudge on her because last year I told her that she keep she kept saying about something and I was like, I've been forgive you about everything. And she started crying and she's like, oh, you do this. this and I was like, of course, because you're my mom. You know what I'm saying? You gave birth to me. You held me for nine months, fed me and, you know, the things and that I needed. And then protected you the first 10 years of your life the best she could while and she was dealing with while her own she demons. Was dealing with an abusive relationship she had to watch her son get beat almost every day because I was hungry and I got some food and I would get beat for that just trying to eat a snack or eat some food or taking food away from me when I'm eating it and throwing it across the room and throwing my mom off the toilet while she's using the bathroom and it was a lot and she was tired of it and there was some moments where she was snapping on him and she noticed that he gets he gets scared of her when she's sober because when she's sober she can think so when she's not sober she's like she's like moping around she looks drowsy she would blame it on her xanax but we all knew usually it was because she was on drugs do you know if she used drugs before she was in the abusive relationship she did she was cleaner than anything you've yeah it was so the drugs came as a result of trying to cope with the abusive relationship exactly when did you start to feel safer at what point did you feel like i don't have to walk on eggshells like i might actually get to stay here a little longer when i when i left and she still was visiting me and bringing me things and kept trying and calling and, everybody to get you home as quick as possible yeah, i remember it was, it was it was it was crazy and i was like wow she's just going through all this and i'm out there and i run i was running away i ran away on <laughs> a couple times after that as well she still just didn't give up and that's why i was like you know i, I feel a little bit 
safer. She just didn't give up on me. It's a challenging thing to take someone who's spent that much time with their family or in the system and try and convince them that, you know, you can... Like provide for them. Provide them. for them. And They're safe there. Nurture them. Like they don't want you in their space. How do you nurture? <laughs> you know? Right. You know how you were saying earlier about me feeling safer and stuff with her. When my grandma passed, it was like very hard for me. And I... Whew, it was... Um, I haven't cried. I didn't cry in so long. And my mom was like, oh, you need to... I, she called me three times my brother was like hey my mom mom needs to tell you something very very important and um she was like oh you need to be sitting down for this this is and that it's gonna be very hard and she told me that my grandma passed i didn't i processed it but i didn't process it and then all of a sudden just like hundreds of memories in my mind go up and i'm like okay you know yeah i just lost my grandma if without my grandma i wouldn't my mom wouldn't be here and i wouldn't be here grief is a really hard thing and it's yeah. like I was able to stay with her for a couple of days because it was only for a visit. She was like, oh, it's time to go. And then she thought I was just playing Aww. at first when I was crying and everything. And then I thought he was like, oh, so he wasn't permanently placed with you yet. He was not permanently placed I was on like a visit and I was going back. because. So his grandmother, he got the news that she passed away when we were at the house and he was at the house and we were having to leave. I made sure that he was allowed to stay. She had me sit grieve there for about one or two days i was spending nights because it was like approved yeah because at, at first i was not getting overnight but it got yeah. approved so then how much longer after that till he was able to move in there was still a bit of time after that there because was still what happened i cursed at one of the youngins and it just slipped out because me and her were having an argument and it slipped out on her i, I regret it and i said sorry for it and everything and i regret it it was just because it, it, it exhalated between me and her and then she came out i was like oh i can't sleep and you know i was like and i was furious and she was she like she it was like she was standing up to me i was like so i was like you know i had i said something yeah i totally regret it it got her really mad because when it became, when it comes to them three and now even me, yeah. all, all four of us, Mama Bear, right? You know she, she you know she's gonna keep the hive intact. Yeah. So, <laughs> so no. So um, out of all the things she could get pissed off at, I was like, damn. You know what I'm <laughs> she started going crazy after that. I thought I was like, damn. Okay, I'll go to my room now. <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you win, you win. Okay. Out, you know, house destroying and stuff and, you know, putting holes in her walls. It will never happen again. I did it. I broke the TV because I let so much things just like I, I was letting it stack instead of just letting it stack and then release it. Stack yeah. And then release it. I was letting it pile up and then I took all my anger and just used it. And I was yeah. so furious. I blacked out and I didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah. And and I, I remember doing it, but I, it was just I was so angry and I could feel my heart and I could feel my blood rushing through yeah, my body. Like your whole body kind of goes numb. right? Yeah. It was just so bad. And I in my head, I'm like, what am I doing? And then in my <laughs> and the outside, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna do this like. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't funny and i like you know I, oh my god and then she still sat down and talked to me right after and it was like bro after all that you still sit down and try to have a calm conversation well and that's why i feel like people should be foster parents should be like her you yeah. know what i'm saying oh, you know you too you know what i'm saying i've seen i've heard do you think any part of you was like trying to 
test to see like what you could do that she would she, like if she you, would you stick it with you? you literally i literally said i was like like i'll be like i would i told her i'm like i'm gonna test you all right type like i'm sure it wasn't like i'm gonna see if i can really like you were probably just upset about what happened but do you think a part of you like kind of let yourself go there because you wanted to see if you could scare her off like if she was gonna stick it out yeah because Really, I did it because I wanted her to see how much anger I had built up inside of me. I just had to re- let it release. Like, yeah. I, to be honest, in all my life, I think that's probably one of the maddest I've ever been, especially at the age of 17. Yeah. You know, so I was still a youngster. So were 17. you actually trying to show, like, be vulnerable with her and show her, like, what you were feeling? Yeah, even though was it like, felt out of control, I was just trying to tell her, like, I was just trying to show her, like, how much, like, that I didn't give two craps in yeah. that moment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like I, I needed her to listen, and she wasn't listening. She's like, "Oh, you know, you need to talk to me calm and have a calm <laughs> conversation." And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but sometimes that doesn't even work. Yeah. And then, like, I've built up my emotion and build up my aggressiveness through a calm conversation and it it escalated and I got mad. I threw a freaking coffee thing at the TV. It broke the TV. I started freaking just, I I, I was walking and just, just flying through stuff off the the counters and stuff because I was so mad. But with the safe part, I always feel safe. I always feel safe. I feel at home. I feel like I always have somebody to go to if I need help. Especially with the job, I was like, so, hey, so what do I do when that happens? (laughs) And that's why I I, kind of appreciate all she's done. And I got, like, everything that I ever wanted. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, a big bed. I was like, when I first came (laughs) to her, when I first came to her, this is what I said. I was like, this big old bed. I am very, like, loved and everything. Where I'm I mean, at, I so. know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you would know. You know? When you first either heard or talked to her about being adopted, like, what did that feel like? I was going back and forth. I was like, I don't know. Then I was like, yeah, I want to get adopted. You found out she wanted to adopt you. At first, you were kind of iffy on it. At some point, you came around. When I, I was like, man, when my mom finds out, you know what I'm saying? I don't want her to break her heart. She's like, right now, she has no children. The abusive stepfather keeps the babies away from her, doesn't even tr- let her call them or mm-hmm. anything. I, I don't even know what they look, they, they sound like. Yeah. They look so like. you don't, you've. Uh, me, me and my brother, we like, my brother's 21. You know, he's got, he, he actually lives in Daytona, near Daytona Beach, Florida. So does he have a relationship with your mom? Right now, he, my mom gets all mad and, you know, she cries because she's like, you know, Junior, you're the only one, the only person I can really talk to. And that's why she blows me up a lot is because she knows that I would pick up and my brother is always supposedly busy. So when you were removed, he was not removed? No, because he was with his dad. You still have a relationship with her. So you were concerned about if you got adopted, how that would make her feel. Did you tell her that you were getting adopted? I, yeah, I did. I was like, you know, I'm about to get adopted and everything. And then after the adoption, you know, she I could just feel a change in the air, especially with her, because it's just the way she was talking and everything. She just she was sad. She lost yeah. everything, you know, and it's not fair. And I'm not giving up on my mom. Like when you decided to move forward with the adoption and the adoption happened like what changed i was just like i'll I'll try it i'll i'm ready i guess i'm ready to start a new life with a new family and actually be considered 
her day one, basically. I was just ready. I guess I was like, maybe two families is better than one, you know? And yeah. she posted all over, but like the shirts was like, does it like take DNA to be family? And for a while I was telling her like, oh, oh, we'd never be a family. We're not even blood. That's why I talked. She, cause he was like, oh, you talk, you don't talk to your mom like that. Cause I was like, oh yeah, she's blood. That's why that's my real mom. <laughs> her showing her emotions with me yeah. and her talking to me and everything she was open and she what she didn't hide anything from me you know what i'm saying so that's why i was like you know what i think that's what a real mother does you know what i'm saying that sometimes i maybe i thought her rights was wrong for me because my mom would have dif- did it differently it was just weird for me at first because all like, through group homes i had to hit, live with the knowledge that I, one lived with the knowledge that my mom taught me mm-hmm. and and two the knowledge i, I kind of been learning throughout foster right care. what you procured to exactly. survive <laughs> so yeah and you have to do you're it's like you're living on your own yeah in foster care it's especially in group home it's like you're living on your own until you're 18 you're still you're still living on your own yeah you know they just kick you out goodbye where you want to be where you want to go boom drop you off there boom goodbye deuces yeah. you know and it's just it's effed up you yeah, know, it's it not, is. it's not, it's not right, you know, but they have these extended things and they still don't do a much, right. you know, they still don't do much. You know, I'm sure she's told you a million times what your mom has said in our conversations and probably on the podcast as well. Like she would never, never considered herself like a replacement for any of her adopted kids, parents that she just wants to be the extra, you know, yeah, um, and that she never wanted to take their place because she never can take their place. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure she's already told you that a million times, <laughs> but did it feel different after the adoption or was I it just kind of like the something, same? It was a new beginning of mm-hmm. something. Like she showed me a book about this guy and the girl that I think they're like married now. They created a book or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's actually interesting. You know, it's kind of like my story. You know what I'm saying? And everybody, I feel like everybody has the chance to show who they really are Mm -hmm. because you could have three Super Bowl winning champions in your house right now. You know what I'm saying? You don't know. You know what I'm saying? You really could, you know? And it's like, they can't show that potential because they're bouncing around group homes and group homes and they can't, they can't one, they don't have somebody to pay for them to actually get the training they need or go to a school and actually play or stay in a school long enough or stay in a home long enough to be able to join a league. They're missing months of school and then they go one day and then they, what was something that made it hard to be a teenager in foster care versus a little kid? Foster homes don't ever want you. If if I was a little kid, I could I I'd be in a foster home quicker than quick because you know. But being a teenager was really really hard. It was like like I said, being in jail. You got kids beating you up, and it's just really hard just being a teenager. What do you want people to know about teenagers in foster care? Don't judge somebody by the book, you know, give them a chance because it's not right to judge somebody before, before you actually get to know them. You personally can make that person into somebody better and you would feel probably good about yourself because you just made a teenager from breaking windows, running away, smoking weed, doing crazy things to maybe being a NBA basketball player or having, being an owner of Apple or being somebody in life. You know what I'm saying? And and wouldn't you feel good about yourself if you pushed a child to go the route he wanted to go and would you feel you would feel good about yourself because I would too if I helped a child yeah. that like I would feel really good about myself because I'm like dang I just helped like you know I feel super good about myself like my ancestors would be proud of me you know what I'm saying like why do you think people are scared to open their homes up to teens destruction attitude 
I understand. Listen, the most destruction in my house came from a five-year-old. <laughs> like, there's teenagers out there needing help and they want to be somebody in life. I, I can't say much because I, I wanted to be somebody in life, but, you know, I want to be like a YouTuber. My favorite YouTuber is Corey X Kenshin. He's like one of my favorite YouTubers. I've been watching him since 200,000 <laughs> subscribers and wow. he's at 13.2 million right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I've been watching him since so I was you're like the OG. The, I wish um, getting this job is even one step closer getting better equipment for my PC setup and getting better a graphics card or a yeah. processor and a better, you know, better everything and achieving my goal. You know what I'm saying? Of just being, I want to be just one of the best. You just graduated high school, right? Yeah. yeah you like, are what, getting it. Five months ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. are getting a job. Like you are making good, healthy choices for your life. Yeah. Like that's a lot for someone just, who was in your old place to be looking up to. What advice would you give foster parents who are open to teens? Stay patient because, you know, that's, that's the biggest. Because with a teenager, you're going to need patience because it's like, <laughs> it was like, wow, I did all these things. And like, and the way she fixed them was one, I didn't want to do therapy. It's in a whole nother conversation, but <laughs> patience is really needed, especially with a teenager. Give them space. Yeah. But sometimes it's good to be clingy. Yeah. Because that's how she was. And I got so mad every day. <laughs> Stop coming to my room. I'm trying to chill by myself. Get out my room. She was always clingy and keep trying and attacking me. And I think that is a personal good way to do to do. Yeah. Yes. Give them their personal space. Yeah. But be persistent. You need you need more because you're I, I just got you as a teenager yeah. and I don't know you too much. And I need to push you to your limits because yeah. that's 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 how you're going to get. That's how you're going to be great. You know what I'm saying? She's helped me see that I could be a better person. You know what I'm saying? And not the person that I was a couple a few years ago, you know, and be the person that I can be today. And she doesn't judge me by the person that I am today or her family or the kids. The kids always be like, I love you. I love you, Cisco. I love you. Too. <laughs> I love you like every day and I'm like I love you too yeah, like, so like they'll be so happy they'll be like so happy like when I was a kid I'd be so happy I'd be like I love you mom like because yeah. they're so happy in that yeah. moment they're gonna want to say it you know what I'm yeah. saying it's like that so I'm like bro can you shut up like you're not even <laughs> just saying that because she's doing this for you like, like, like we go to McDonald's or something like I love you mommy I'm like what bro like now you love her so much like, of course they love her either way but it's yeah. like it's even more love when they go to get to go to McDonald's. So I'm like, bro, shut up. Like I said, you just need patience, especially with a teenager. And that's what she did. And look at me now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the guy that I am today and the guy I might be in the next 20 years. You know what I'm saying? So especially with Papa, he helped me a lot too to realize he was only there for like a week and he already seen potential in me. Every day I would have some somebody come up to me and be like, bro, I see potential. I'm like, how do you see potential in me? <laughs> like, they would like, they'll be like, bro, you are smart. You're this. I'm like, bro, I don't even see that in myself. How do you see that? You know, yes. I had people tell me that all my life. I was getting frustrated. I went to my my room he came down and sat down didn't even really know me like that and was opening up to me yeah and i'm like bro i have an amazing relationship with him because what he that's what he he's did. a good dude he is he really is because he was like a little father figure to me he sat down and had a conversation with me and cooled me down yeah and i was just like you know what thank you i was like thank you papo he was like hey i'll be out here if you need me he's like moving down from philly and everything yeah, we just heard Fred. the story <laughs> on the playground is where he spent most of his days <laughs> shooting some people <laughs> what makes you feel 
heard and respected? Um, when I say things to her, this is just like food wise. I'll just throw in some food. Oh, can maybe one day you get some zebra cakes or something like that? The next day, the zebra cake, I'm, I'm walking in, I was like, hmm, what's in the first zebra cake? What did these get here? Wait. Like she hears me and I like not that not just even with food, like even with things That's that so I want to do, not just even just food. I, that was just, I just feel like there's going to be more zebra cakes yeah. in the house. This <laughs> I mean, but like, I grew up to... on those things. When my, every time my mom got her food stamps, we used to walk up to the store. We got the 50 cent. You remember them 50 cent little baby cakes? We got the little zebra cakes. I'd be like, mom, can I get one, please? She's like, Grab one, Junior. I'm like, let's go. I used to be so happy. Oh my, I, bro, I used to devour the zebra cake. It used to be gone. Really how I'm heard is that if I say something to her, she hears it and she does it, forget it. Re- being respected is like, if I say, hey, I, I, I just don't want to talk right now, she'll respect that. I don't know. I still kind of have that issue now. Like she'll be like, oh, I don't want to talk right now. And she hangs up I'm like, I'm like, Cisco, calm down. Calm down. It's not it's that hard. serious. The, the boundary that he wants respected is hard for him to respect. But That's I'm realizing it and I'm working on it. Which Even. is incredible at his age yeah. to be recognizing things like that. And right. him recognizing that is what's going to continue to grow this incredible man. Right. She has a lot of respect towards me and I, I have medium respect what what she has to say right it's it, it's been it's been like like it's it's no 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 not like i'm talking about respect her like in the ways like oh oh you don't need to be doing this i'm like mm, like i don't want to be doing that like i'm not respecting that i think it's a fairly normal teenage response but her hearing me out just now it's true like I, everything i've been through with her the things she did she she's done for me and i've realized it you know but then i still kind of push her away and I don't know why, but I shouldn't let that. I shouldn't like let all the like the the little negative, the little the little things just push me away from her. Like you know, I want to be in my room all day. This, this, and that. I, I should have been more clingy. At the end of the day, she's still the one that's helping me out about everything, even if I'm not even clingy. And, and she I also stalked you for nine months. <laughs> Exactly. There's so. a lot of push and pull while there was attachment built for him in those younger years. There was a lack of attachment for so many years. Well, and he just said like he felt like he was raising himself for those years. Right. Exactly. What is something that you think can be changed in the system that would help teens in foster care? <laughs> Instead of getting them placed straight off the back into group homes, get foster homes because because one you would never build that one. You would never build that reputation up in group homes right. with jumping out the windows and shit. I got sent to a foster home like when I was 12. Yeah. I would still be there. Yeah. Because guess what? I would still have all the respect that I've had. I had didn't smoke weed yet. I didn't do yeah. anything yet. Right. A lot you know of what I'm saying? Exposure. So exactly. And I feel like teenagers should off the rap get sent to a foster home. That's that's the biggest change that could happen. And I bet you. A thousand dollars that a teenagers, most teenagers, it, it would be way different. I don't know if you know anything about the stats, but a lot of teens that are in foster care end up in the criminal justice system because of their experiences. And based on what I've heard from others, based on what I've heard from you, they're basically taking care of themselves. And as we've discussed, that decision making part of your brain isn't developed till 25, but you're put in a position where you have to make your own decisions and there's no one parenting you and nurturing you. And if they are telling you what to do, it's from an authoritative message, not a loving, like, I want to take care of you and I want the best for you. So this is why we're not going to do that. Instead, it's just 
rules and authority. It makes sense that those kids that are going through that are going to end up in the juvenile justice system because of the exposure, because nobody's parenting them and helping them make those decisions. So if more foster homes would take teens, that would help minimize the amount of criminal justice that is needing to be dealt with from right. the it's kids. It's a huge domino effect. Right. Like instead of them going to jail, they will be going to college, you right. know? Or trade exactly. school. Or, or trade school. Military. Start military. Just starting to get a job. Jack Daddy went from high school to college and in college that first semester struggled and said, eh, not sure if this is for me. He has some learning disability, so he didn't really have the confidence to do that. So he went and worked for Walmart for like a year. And after a year at Walmart was like, I'm going back to college. (laughs) So the value of him getting that job at Walmart was it changed um, the trajectory. I have to work so hard Mm -hmm. to make such a small amount of money that I would rather go spend some time in college, even though that's hard too, it's going to result in a larger paycheck in the end. And despite his learning disabilities, he was able to graduate from college with honors like on the dean's list you know that walmart job was actually very valuable for him what made you decide to come here and tell us your story today i always want to help people like uh you wanted to help i wanted to help out of course when you're grown and you've done your thing and you're ready to have a family would you ever consider being a foster parent or getting involved in some way Maybe one day, maybe I might think about it. It's going to be a hard decision. It's going to be a hard decision for me. It should be an easy one because all the stuff I've been through. We have these boards sitting here um, and they have words on them that mean foster care. And a bunch of different people have kind of contributed to them. So without stealing a word from those boards, what is one word that you would use to describe foster care? I would say reunite like I got this word from you because you said foster care is not just about, you know, just people just want to get thrown anywhere, but it's, it's for reunification. Yeah, exactly. Repairing families and helping them. Exactly. So that's what it's supposed to do. I'm stealing that word from you. It should go on the board. and (laughs) That's the true meaning of foster care for me. We'll make a new board for you. What do you do when you're struggling to help yourself feel better? Like what's your self care? This should be easy. Video Video games. Anime too, like anime, Dragon Ball. (laughs) Well, I go to like charge it up, like I'm like I'm Goku or something like that. What is one positive change that you would like to see in foster care? Even with group homes, they should pay attention more to the kid instead of of focusing on themselves because most of them they just focus on themselves. What do you think that the community could do? to prevent more kids from needing to come into foster care. Don't just go there. Oh, we're here to take away your kid. Give them a chance to get help or do something. Like more so of those safe, safe at home, home safe programs. At home. Exactly. Make and that kind of the first level. Make of that the first level. Maybe something else more like a person that actually stays there all day. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Not like, oh, you're there for a couple hours, like more like, oh, starting from the morning when they wake, when everybody wakes up and then we'll be monitoring all day. You know what I'm saying? So hiring staff to kind of, or people to kind of, or maybe like a targeted case manager or something to come into people's homes and spend more time there. And spend more time there. And see if that makes a change. If not, 
third and final step is when they got nothing else to do. And I feel like that's the where the point where they just need to be like, we're going to be taking your kid for a while until you can be in a better place, in a better state, in a better mindset. But then at least they've been given a chance. Yes, at least they've been giving two, basically two chances. Right, yeah. right. So that first like level is that like safe at home. Exactly. And then if that's still not quite working, bringing in that like person that's in the home exactly. longer hours, like probably like morning to like six, six p.m. You know what I'm right. saying? Well, I guess, I mean, even if they did that one day a week, right, exactly. it can help. Yeah. Can kind of model how to do exactly. things or give them ideas. All right, it's not a bad idea because then you're like immersing yourself. Yeah. And having a better understanding of how how and that then unit runs. Even if the kid does end up needing to be removed, you'll have a better understanding of how to help. Yeah. I got brains. We know. Yeah, I know. That's a really good idea. I hadn't really, hadn't really thought about anything like that. Cisco, what are your goals to make positive change in your local community? Well, maybe like sit down. I'm not a therapist, but I will say this. I'm, I I can be good at talking. I mean, you make people laugh. I think that's, (laughs) That's you should have your own podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I wish. Yeah. Just, I guess like sit down, maybe talk if they're going through something. If if I, if you see they're going through something, be like, Hey, you want to talk? You know, you look, you look, you look pretty frustrated. Positivity. You know what I'm saying? If you, you know, caring uh, about your, like my auntie said, she's not my auntie, no blood, but I call her my auntie. She said, being mad is a secondary emotion because when you're mad, you do things like you're on drugs you don't want to do mm-hmm. and you don't know what you're doing. Being happy and everything, that's on a regular emotion. Being mad is not, is like not the emotion you should have. You know, that's a secondary emotion. Anger is secondary because it's us- anger is usually caused by something like frustration or sadness or... I am so glad you came to sit down with us and you were so open and honest and true to everything that's happened to you. I'm super proud of you. So thank you so much for coming here today and speaking so frankly and honestly about some really, really hard stuff. Yeah, Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.